Chapter One of Napoleon: A Short Biography. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Pamela Nagami, M.D. Napoleon: A Short Biography by Robert Madison Johnston. Chapter One: Napoleon Before the Revolution. Birth and Childhood, Education appearance and character the revolution in the history of napoleon bonaparte we plunge into the characteristic at the very outset the date of his birth he was born either in seventeen sixty eight or seventeen sixty nine probably but not certainly in the latter year as late as in seventeen ninety six when he married the date of his birth was given as february seventeen sixty eight later it was fixed at the fifteenth of august seventeen sixty nine this is not a matter of vital importance yet it is not without interest for two reasons in the first place it is typical of napoleon's methods that he should have placed the celebration of his birthday at the same date as that of the assumption which is one associated with rejoicing and merry-making in all latin countries another interesting point in this connection is that in seventeen sixty eight the island of corsica the home of the bonapartes was genoese a year later it was french if napoleon was born in seventeen sixty eight he was born a genoese if in seventeen sixty nine a frenchman however this may be and the point has been the subject of some controversy it is certain that all the circumstances of his birth and youth left him nearly devoid of what might be described as national traditions or feeling though in his boyhood he was intensely corsican the bonapartes were a noble but poor family of italian extraction settled at ajaccio where charles bonaparte napoleon's father exercised legal functions under the genoese government he took part in the civil wars that preceded napoleon's birth in which paoli became prominent the corsican disorders need not be related here it will suffice to say that charles bonaparte transferred his allegiance to france in seventeen sixty nine when the sovereignty of the island was abandoned by the genoese yet by race neither he nor his son was a frenchman the genoese were a maritime people their home was the mediterranean their standards had been carried in triumph at various periods from the strait of gibraltar to the bosphorus and constantinople this is worthy of note for the boy brought up in the genoese atmosphere and traditions who became emperor of the french had for many years his eyes and his policy constantly fixed on the mediterranean at every stage of his career we find that great inland sea around which our civilization took its earliest shape playing an all-important part napoleon first crossed it in the year seventeen seventy nine when his father succeeded in securing his appointment to a free cadetship at the military school of brienne young bonaparte's school days were not very remarkable his ignorance of the french language his lack of fine clothes and fine manners his innate pride and aloofness kept him solitary he did not shine in arts and literature but showed conspicuous ability and quickness in mathematics and geometry in one other respect he impressed several of his teachers and that was his strong and domineering temperament in seventeen eighty four he was transferred from brienne to the military academy at paris and no sooner was he there than he revealed his force of character even more strongly 
by drawing up a memorandum exposing the numerous shortcomings of the establishment as a military training school and setting out a scheme for its reformation this did not tend to make the fifteen-year-old corsican popular with those placed over him how little could they then foresee that he was fated to carry out this and many other even more important reforms within a very few years he spent only twelve months in paris and then received his commission as a sub-lieutenant of artillery three years later the french revolution broke out and in ten years more the corsican sub-lieutenant of artillery was the ruler of france what were the causes that brought about this wonderful rise of fortune chiefly two the extraordinary character of the man the extraordinary character of the circumstances into which he was thrown had not those two great factors coincided with such precision it is quite safe to assume that european history would be without what is perhaps its most wonderful page it is therefore important before we go further to consider the personality of napoleon after which a brief view of the origin of the french revolution must be taken this will lead us to the events in which the revolution and the man who was destined to be its heir were both concerned napoleon bonaparte was a short dark swarthy man of typical southern appearance in his early years until eighteen o five he was extremely thin it was not until his face filled out that his features could be pronounced handsome though his nose was salient and mouth well formed his hands and feet like those of his brothers and sisters were beautifully modelled his head was large full and intellectual but what produced the greatest impression on all who met him was the brilliancy and imperiousness of his steel-blue eyes they revealed the volcanic energy of the soul beneath he was given to violent bursts of temper the occasional outbreaks of a nearly superhuman mental energy and of a temperament easily swayed to passion by personal and selfish considerations he was perhaps the greatest egotist the world has ever seen with the result that he often applied his indomitable will and magnificent qualities to very low aims judged hastily and by certain traits alone he might be thought to be little more than contemptible thus in the matter of veracity he viewed lying from a strictly utilitarian point of view and always said just what was convenient so that his history written from his own statements would be little better than fiction he played cards as he conducted warfare obtaining every advantage he could legitimate or otherwise yet he cannot be called a small man only a man with small aspects and if he won by his cheating at cards he always returned the stakes after the game was over when found out in his perversions of truth he was prepared to own up on one occasion metternich stoutly declined to believe some information published in the moniteur and at last napoleon laughed and confessed sono bugie per i parigini they are lies for the parisians alongside of this trait was a wonderful largeness of perception and many in fact have said that it was napoleon's breadth of view that constituted his genius it was not so much that as the perfect combination of breadth of view with attention to the most minute detail his powerful imagination made him see events in their fullest possible extension as he said himself he was always living two years ahead at the same time his instinct for detail was the nightmare of every colonel in the army of every functionary in the empire the memoirs of the period are full of anecdotes illustrating this 
philippe de segur relates that he was sent on a tour of inspection in which he visited several fortresses many camps and forts and numberless earthworks and batteries on his reporting to the emperor he was cross-examined at great length but went through the ordeal with flying colours until at last asked whether at a particular spot on a small cross-road not far from antwerp two field-pieces were still in position the brain of napoleon was like a machine so perfect so accurate in its working but the spirit that impelled it was that of a soldier and a gambler logical perception of chances was instantaneous with him and promptly turned into action with perfect audacity and relentless activity it was among his soldiers that he was happiest and few anecdotes told of him are more characteristic than that related in the memoirs of a polish officer who served in the campaign of russia napoleon had just joined headquarters after three years of peace and was in the midst of the numerous columns converging on the points at which the russian frontier was to be crossed in the middle of the night the officers of the staff were awakened by an unusual noise napoleon was sleepless and was tramping up and down his bedroom singing at the top of his voice the revolutionary marching song le chant du départ he was happy once more he was playing the biggest stake of his life with the biggest army he had ever assembled it was the satisfaction of the roulette player sitting down at his accustomed chair with a large pile of gold in front of him but there are yet other aspects of the character of this the most extraordinary man of modern times that must not be omitted in attempting to portray him making exception of the rhetoric he so frequently used in addressing his soldiers and occasionally in his diplomatic relations his correspondence constitutes a wonderful intellectual achievement in the thirty-two volumes published officially one might nearly say that there is not a superfluous word not an embellishment conciseness energy decision perception stand out with overpowering force from every page and it may quite properly be said that the correspondence of napoleon is a great literary monument it is safe to predict that it will be read when the names of chateaubriand of delavigne and lamartine are well-nigh forgotten his bombast has been alluded to however distasteful to anglo-saxon ears it often enough produced its due results inspired his soldiers terrified his enemies in nothing was napoleon more an italian than in his strong dramatic sense and his public life from the moment he got his foot on the first rung of the ladder of ambition was one long pose he did his best to create and to send down to posterity the napoleonic legend and even at the present day when more reasonable views are beginning to prevail there are many even among staid historians who are prepared to accept him at his own valuation before closing this brief sketch of his personality it may be as well to add that a view that seems becoming popular in some quarters at the present day the view that napoleon was an epileptic reposes on very slight evidence it is possible just as many other hypotheses are but on the other hand it is certain if this theory is accepted that he was a very slight sufferer and that no epileptic ever showed greater clearness of intellect historically speaking to say that napoleon was epileptic is probably untrue and is certainly irrelevant and misleading here then in the year seventeen eighty nine was a young sub-lieutenant of artillery from whom great things might be expected 
yet had not his path crossed that of a great political cataclysm it is certain that he would never have found the opportunities that enabled him to rise to the level of his genius the misgovernment and ineptitude of the bourbons had at last been visited with retribution although france was fast increasing in wealth more than half her people knew the pangs of famine many had died of hunger montesquieu voltaire rousseau helvetius diderot d'alembert had stirred the reason of the thinking class france had within her all the makings of a great modern nation as was conclusively demonstrated by napoleon ten years later yet she was degraded by such barbarities as the mutilation and execution of the chevalier de la barre or the attempt to prevent the burial of voltaire's body she was brought to bankruptcy by the criminal folly of the court and its ministers retribution followed the revolution broke out and reaction swung far in the direction of popular absurdities and horrors from seventeen eighty nine to seventeen ninety four the complete scale of democratic passions was exhausted the most excellent reforming zeal the most exalted sentiments of patriotism and disinterestedness caught in a rising tide hurried into a whirl of political disintegration finally disappeared or made way for mob rule violence terrorism suspicion and anarchy while in the cities the revolution gradually fell into the hands of gangs of political fanatics or unprincipled ruffians its best elements found refuge in the armies of the assailed republic birth was no longer essential for becoming an officer and great soldiers like ney massena or murat found their path no longer stopped at the rank of sergeant court favour no longer made generals and a bonaparte might expect to rise above all his fellows his first opportunity came in seventeen ninety three at the siege of toulon but before coming to that it will be as well briefly to indicate what had occurred previously and since bonaparte had entered the army chronology twelve sixty one earliest bonaparte at florence fifteen twenty nine bonaparte's go to corsica fifteenth august seventeen sixty nine napoleon bonaparte born april seventeen seventy nine he goes to school at brienne october seventeen eighty four proceeds to military academy paris august seventeen eighty five sub-lieutenant of artillery fourteenth july seventeen eighty nine capture of the bastille french revolution End of chapter one